With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. This week, China's big business number is zero. China has pledged zero tolerance for financial misconduct by state-owned companies. Zero is the official number of how many poor people there are in the country, and zero will be Hong Kong's net carbon emissions by 2050. With a lot more than zero important financial stories this week, here's what's been happening in the world of business. It is official. Nowhere in China is officially poor anymore. Last week, Li Jian, Guizhou's top poverty relief official, announced that the southwestern province's final nine deprived counties had been removed from the poverty list, after their per capita annual net incomes exceeded a government-defined threshold of 4,000 yuan, approximately $608. The announcement means China has now delisted all of the 832 counties identified as poverty-stricken eight years ago after it initiated a nationwide campaign to end extreme deprivation by the end of 2020. The Chinese government has urged its Indian counterpart to level the playing field after New Delhi added 43 more names to its list of banned Chinese apps over alleged security concerns as bilateral relations continued to stay frosty after border clashes earlier this year. India's Ministry of Electronics and Information Technology on Tuesday issued a statement banning the apps, including several operated by Alibaba Group Holding Limited, such as global retail marketplace AliExpress and workplace collaboration software DingTalk, bringing the total number of banned Chinese apps in India to over 200. In response, Alibaba has reportedly put the brakes on new investments in India. Troubled state-owned mining company Yongcheng Coal has received a nine-month reprieve to repay its defaulted bonds. At a meeting hosted last week by underwriters China Everbright Bank and Zhongyuan Bank, Yongcheng Coal bondholders unanimously agreed to accept a 50% payment of the principal of 1 billion yuan, roughly $152.4 million, worth of bonds that were due November 10th, and to extend the balance of principal and interest by 270 days. 
the extension will avoid triggering cross-protection clauses on 15 billion yuan of Yongchun coal bonds and 11.5 billion yuan of debt issued by its parent company, Henan Energy and Chemical Industry Group Company Limited, which many analysts saw as potentially sending shockwaves through the economy. At the same time as Yongchun Coal was able to get more breathing space to pay its creditors, China's top financial regulatory body has pledged zero tolerance for misconduct after a wave of bond defaults, including the mining companies, has shed light on suspected fraud by several high-profile state-owned enterprises. The Financial Stability and Development Committee vowed to strictly investigate any bond issuer suspected of violations, including fraudulent issuance, disclosure of false information, malicious transfer of assets, and misappropriation of bond issuance funds, according to a meeting chaired by Vice Premier Liu He. China is looking to bring in tighter regulations to rein in the booming e-commerce live streaming sector and regulate and protect consumers. Live streaming companies will be forced to cap the amount that users can spend on their favorite performers as part of new rules that also stop miners and those who have not undergone real name registration from spending money on the platforms. The latest rules, unveiled by the National Radio and Television Administration, appear to aim at stopping underage users from overspending on cash tips for live streamers. However, they could come at the cost of cutting into the lavish gift-giving that underpins the industry, which has experienced explosive growth this year as a pandemic-induced lockdown and travel restrictions pushed more eyeballs online. Hong Kong has pledged to become carbon neutral by 2050, a full decade ahead of a similar goal by the mainland. Chief Executive Carrie Lam made the bold pledge during her annual policy address to the Legislative Council, the Semi-Autonomous Territories Parliament. Lam said Hong Kong would promote a variety of zero-carbon energy sources, carbon reduction technologies, low-emissions vehicles, and large-scale waste-to-energy facilities as part of its carbon neutrality commitment. Hong Kong currently has the fourth-largest carbon footprint of any city in the world, according to a 2018 study of 13,000 metropolitan areas by the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. And finally, Christmas may have come early to China's aviation sector, or more precisely, the Lunar New Year has come early. Two months ahead of the Lunar New Year, one Chinese fuel supplier is already gearing up for an expected surge in air travel. China Aviation Oil is seeking to import jet fuel for January delivery in its first buy tender since May, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. The move by CAO, one of the largest buyers of jet fuel in Asia, comes as Chinese domestic air travel continues to recover after the pandemic-driven collapse and comes after the nation successfully celebrated the National Golden Week holiday in early October with no major COVID-19 outbreaks. Let's turn now to Doug Young, Caixin Global's managing editor. So, Doug, it seems there's been some controversy surrounding Danke, and we're not talking about the German word for thank you, uh, but the Chinese rental realty company. Well, what's going on? Hey, Kaiser. Uh, yeah, this is sort of a, a fun story, or at least it's a fun story if you're not one of the people who's gotten caught up in the latest scandal in China's apartment building uh, industry. Uh, you're right, Danke 
uh, means thank you, of course, in German, but in Chinese, it happens to mean eggshell. Uh, and the company called Danke, which is actually listed in the U.S., is walking on a few eggshells itself these days. Um, what Danke does is they're, they're sort of an intermediary company that they sign long-term agreements with apartment owners. Then they go in and spruce up, you know, add new furnishings, uh, do, do, you know, sort of renovation jobs on the apartments. And then they rent them out to shorter-term, you know, sort of more traditional individual people. Uh, so, so this is their business model, and it you know it sounds good in theory, but for whatever reason, Danke has uh, not been managing its finances too well, and lately there's just been all sorts of uh, financial headaches for the company, with the result that they're not paying the landlords that they signed these long-term leases with. And guess what? At the same time. Their tenants, the the people who signed leases with them, are still paying, but it doesn't seem like the money from the tenants is flowing through to the final landlords. So we're seeing lots of cases where landlords are saying we haven't been paid, and they're going and kicking out the tenants who are saying, "Well, we paid Danke," and meantime, Danke is just sort of in the middle of all this. Uh, you know, they're obviously responsible for paying the landlords. They're not doing it. A, a group of tenants, I think, showed up at the Danke headquarters a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, demanding, you know, that, that, that they be allowed to stay. And we've heard stories about um, landlords like changing the locks on, on apartments, uh, you know, for, none, for no fault of the tenants. It's really Danke's fault. Uh, so it's, a, it's an ongoing mess. And, you know, it's it's making lots of headlines. Uh, again, if you're one of the tenants who's been locked out, you're probably not too happy. But for everybody else who's sort of watching on, this just looks very typical China, you know, just a big mess showing up on the corporate business scene. So it sounds like quite the circus over at Danke headquarters. And speaking of circuses, the next topic on the docket is about Cirque du Soleil and its Chinese investor, and its plans. So catch us up. Ha, I like the way you transitioned there, Kaiser. Um, yeah, the second story I wanted to talk about was uh, involving Cirque du Soleil, which I think a lot of our listeners have probably heard of, maybe even been to see some of their shows. And in my view, their shows aren't really, I, I think they're a bit overhyped. They're very artsy, lots of acrobatics, uh, don't tend to have any language, uh, sort of hard to understand storylines in my view. But uh, anyhow, I've been to see a few of their shows in, in Las Vegas, which is where they're big. But anyhow, uh, this story actually dates back to 2015 uh, when the Chinese company called Fosun uh, bought 20% of Cirque du Soleil together with a, a private equity company called TPG. Uh, and they had big plans to bring Cirque to, to China. Uh, Fosun, by the way, is the same company that purchased Club Med and had a similar plan. You know, it's like, oh, China's got all these new, newly affluent middle class people uh, who want quality vacations. Let's build Club Meds in China. And the same idea was was true with uh, Cirque du Soleil. So uh, Fosun teamed up with TPG. They had all sorts of plans. Uh, one of the interviews I saw said, uh, you know, that Cirque was hoping to have five permanent shows in China and bring a touring show to China as well. 
and visit 10 cities every year. You know, they had the usual China stars in their eyes. And uh, of course, this all came crashing down this year with COVID-19. Um, I suspect, you know, the company was probably not doing that well before any of this started. But certainly COVID-19 was the last gasp. And uh, the company declared bankruptcy back in like June. And just recently, just just this past week, uh, they, they reached a reorganization plan and uh, guess who's not in the picture anymore? Uh, Fosun. Uh, so there's there's no more. And Fosun basically lost everything in the reorganization. The company is now owned by some of its former creditors. So uh, we did a little bit of asking at Caixin, what's, you know, how does this affect the China plans? Uh, basically, Fosun is out of the picture. Um, and they did manage to open one venue in Hangzhou, uh, which is actually one of the few Cirque du Soleil theaters that's still doing performances now because most of their other places in the rest of the world have been shut down or, or you know, are waiting for the the pandemic to ease. Um, and this one in Hangzhou is operating and, you know, they said that that will keep operating for now, but it doesn't seem like they have, you know, they're, they're not nearly as, as gung-ho on China, though. Of course, they said as soon as conditions permit, we do hope to bring touring companies back to China. So, uh, you know, we could probably call this another case of someone getting big, big stars in their eyes over China and guess the, the picture wasn't quite as, as rosy as they thought. Okay, Doug, thanks for filling us in on those stories, and we will catch up again soon, man. Okay, thanks a lot, Kaiser. Have a good one. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin and Marcus Ryder of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. For more on China, be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SubChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.